you gotta be comfortable. You're comfortable, and that's what really takes people into depression or whatever. So, you know, I always tell people, even if you're nine to five, start a part-time something. Create your own opportunity, unless you're really motivated. And that's why I say, for me, coming out of a six-figure job, I was highly motivated. Failure was not an option for me. I'll say, I'll say most people, they are used to, again, at the nine to five, they're used to having a supervisor or someone hovering over them. If not, they wouldn't do anything. So when you come out and you're on your own, who cares if you sleep at 10 o'clock or get up at 5 in the morning? Yep. Unless you're motivated. Yep. Yeah. And that's where the, the issues happen. It's like, oh, this didn't work. No, it's not that it didn't work. You didn't work it. Welcome to Underdog Talk, and I have conversations with successful underdogs. And today is no different than any other day. I have Miss Arroya Van Horn. How are you doing today? Fantastic, Eric. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad I finally got a haircut. If you would have, if y'all saw me before this, I was looking like Will Smith off Pursuit of Happiness. Well, they did you well. You look good. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I like to get straight into it. Um, Fun fact, can we get a fun fact out of you? Fun fact. Well, a fun fact is that I choose speed jump roping as my form of exercise. Mm. 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 Um, you weren't ready for that, were you? Uh, like, come on, I told you, you gotta be ready for it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not on speed. <laughs> yeah, jump rope, like. Ali Mohammed um, well, Ali, rope a dope, you know. Uh, oh, okay, I, I applaud you for that. Um, <laughs> I know I couldn't do that. Um, that's okay. Yeah, so. I just want you to know it is not just a girl's thing. That's why I call him out. So. Yeah, no, I jump rope. I just ain't speed jumping. <laughs> you gotta get it over with. Don't take all day. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so, fun fact about me uh, I used to play soccer in elementary school and I was the goalie for the majority of the time and I only got scored on once. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is commendable. Yeah, and the guy that scored on me, his uncle, like his family was like a bunch of kickers, like his uncle was on the Bears at the time, so I wasn't really too mad that he, he was the one that scored the goal on me. So, you are... The business matchmaker, you set up events, you connect people, you help people out. You helped me out with my first live show. Uh, thank you for that. Um, so let's know who you are before all the glitz and glamour. What did life look like for you? Ooh, so how far you want me to go back here? Well, before things started looking pretty for you, for life, like whatever, whatever part of <laughs> life was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, thank God I didn't have a, a hard knock one, okay? Mm -hmm. that, that was never my plight, oh. and I thank God for that. So, um, I've been a geekette mm -hmm. all of my life, so again, love computers. I came out um, of college and, and uh, started in the um, world of uh, civil service, working for the government, working for the Army back in St. Louis, um, and actually it was called the Record Center, and any veteran that 
uh, is ever asked to pull their uh, veteran's record, you'll ask for the DD-214. The DD-214 is your form. And that's where I worked at on Goodfellow uh, for the record center and again for civil service. I worked there for 14 years, thought I had a good government job, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, I uh, went on uh, a RIF, which is a reduction in force. That's when the, you know, the government kind of gives you your pink slip. You know, mm -hmm. I had the option to go to another uh, Huntsville, Alabama. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to go to Huntsville, coming out of St. Louis. So I decided to go um, public. So I went, at that time, I was, uh, again, IT, always computer operations. You heard of the movie Hidden Figures. I, I, I felt that way, and I still feel that way now. For black women, IT is still hidden figures. It's just not a lot of black females in the IT world. It, it's not. It's not. So again, I, I, you know, I started off pulling, you know, uh, cobalt cards and punch cards and things like that. So I go way back a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> when I left the government after 14 years, I went and worked for um, McDonnell Douglas, um, Boeing now, it's headquarters in St. Louis. And then after that, I worked for the uh, Scott Air Force Base, which was in Illinois. I worked for um, the Navy in Fort Wayne, California. So I've been civil service. I worked for DOD, which is Department of Defense. So. During that time, I didn't realize, uh, as uh, I heard uh, Tyler Perry say, I was in my master class at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't know yep. the reporting to generals and colonels and sergeants and, and uh, all that protocol that I was you know, getting as a young black female on a military base. And uh, I didn't, just didn't realize it. So as life would happen, um, I second married, went to family, came in Indianapolis. I had the opportunity to work for one of the largest companies here in Indy, which is Eli Lilly. Great company, fantastic learning, and uh, it taught me to be dangerous. That's what I said. It taught me how to be dangerous. All the protocols, the systems, being an uh, IT uh, project manager, great training. And I felt at the time, it's like checking in every day. If, if anything, hard knock story, I'm like, this is not my daddy's company. Every day I go in there, it just didn't feel right. The creativity just did not feel right. I hear again, I had been 30 years into the IT at that time, you know, and it, it wasn't fun anymore. So I um, talked it over with my family. We had a family meeting. I'm like, you know, somebody has to cook. I had, you know, three girls at home. You know, somebody has to clean up. Let's assign some jobs, get some roles. Mom's getting ready to come out and flip the script. So um, my husband was on board uh, with that, and um, I said the first time they come through my department, uh, IT department, which was in telecom, I was going to raise my hand to volunteer to come out. So again, I'm coming out of a company that's been you know, income, you know, fantastic Christmas bonuses and all of that. And people like, Soroya, are you sure? I'm like, I am so sure. So um, the rest is history. When I came out in 2010, I never looked back. So I came out, started. Um, First of all, I went uh, um, consulting. I did consulting work uh, independently because I saw how they were billing consultants. I'm like, wait a minute, I, you you billing me and I'm only getting paid this much? So I did that a little, for a little bit. And then I decided to do something fun. Again, I sat behind a desk 30 years of my life. I wanted to do something fun. So I took my retirement money and I bought, um, I decided to go into non-emergency medical. So I bought a vehicle, a Ford E350. It's about the size of a uh, airport show, but it has the hydraulic lift on it mm -hmm. for wheelchairs. And I decided to do that. So that was back in 2012. And I hired my son, 
and my own business. Um, I worked harder than I ever did in my life. I mean, truly, when I say hard, I was networking. I was, you know, again, coming out of a large corporation, I knew, you know, I had to marketing, sales, production, customer service, risk management, all that. This was it. I call it the CEO mess, chief everything office for me. Mm -hmm. I was doing it all at the time. And I got burnt out. I think after a year and a half, I got burnt out. But this is my testimony. Through my networking, which I truly believed in, I uh, got a call from Indigo. Mm -hmm. And they said, Van Horn, are you um, still in transportation? I said, yeah. And they said, we have an opportunity here at the DBE, which is a disadvantaged business entity. And then you have to, what I call, be in position for an opportunity. And I was. And um, I went in for an interview, to, took my posse with me, we went in for an interview, and um, was selected um, for the opportunity uh, to do their open door program. So again, I had been independent doing transportation for non-emergency, again, taking uh, individuals to the dialysis. Uh, appointments, taking them to anything. Um, if you know, people worked at a Walmart, sometimes you see people in a wheelchair or in the movie theater to be in a wheelchair, and that's the way they would get back and forth through the Indigo Special Needs <coughs> Transportation. So I was prepared. I was prepared, and that is just my testimony. You know, it's like when you are prepared for an opportunity, and that's what happened. I didn't have to apply for anything, or, or now that's an anomaly, but it happened. And that's what I encourage my clients now to get prepared for, to be in position for it. So when that opportunity comes, you know, you don't have to get ready, you are ready. Yep. So the rest is history from there. Um, that's, you know, again, um, took my family, I'll say, from, I'll say from zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> and uh, we had uh, retired employees, uh, a lot of the employees were second chance individuals, and truly my best workers. They were appreciative of the opportunity. They would get there on the bus themselves. Some of them did not have transportation. But the Van Horn would appreciate the opportunity and would work hard for it. I never had problems. Just as a family-owned operation, we treated all of the employees as family because I'm nothing without them. I'm nothing without them. Yeah. Yep. I, I love it. So um, you said when you worked at Eli Lilly, that made you dangerous. Uh, speak more on that because I think People don't sometimes get that when they're working a job. Mm -hmm. You learn certain things, systems, and all those different things at the job. So when you're ready to get your own business, mm -hmm. you already know what to do. So what was some things that helped you feel dangerous or things that happened to make you feel dangerous? So first of all, working for a company of that magnitude, and one of the things that, one of the tasks in my job is uh, I was uh, reporting, or I was working with SMEs, in other words, uh, subject matter experts, and then virtual assistants, or assistants at that time that were from the Philippines. Sometimes they were virtual and, and working with them there. But now that we hear about virtual assistants, it's you know, commonplace, but at the time I didn't realize how much of a, a nuance that was. You know, reporting to them, sometimes I'd have to stay up late at night just to speak to them and get the job done on their time, what have you. But Putting processes in place, uh, again, a large corporation like that is all about processes. You hear SOPs, in other words, uh, system uh, operation manuals and things of that nature. And one of the biggest things uh, that individuals have an issue with now is how to delegate. And working for a company like that makes you put those systems in place. So again, just like you came in here and set up this room, if you were to do a brain dump and if somebody, if you were to give that task, 
to somebody and have this room prepare, prepared. You would say, you know, the light switches on the left side of the door, turn on the light, the light. You would do all of those steps. You take it for granted, but you would do all of those steps and give it to an assistant. And when they come in here, they would have your cameras, your lighting, your mics, all of that set up. And if a person can do that, then you can delegate. So again, to create systems and then to have technology around you too. And yet, I, you know, I have systems in place. I am geeked. I love technology. So it's like that's a great mix mm -hmm. in today's society. And so many people are lost because they don't know how to do the brain dump or to bring that technology in place. So again, systems and technology is a home run. Yeah. That that's that is true. Mm -hmm. So you say you've been like a, a nerdy like tech person. Geeking. Geeking. Oh I'm sorry, geeking. <laughs> so um the computer didn't come like when like right away. So how or what made you because when I was younger I was into computers. Mm -hmm. Like I remember fifth grade I actually took a computer apart, put it mm -hmm. back together and stuff of that sort. Um just because that was something I like to do. Um so what what triggered you to do that when you were younger? That's a good question. Again, when they came out in the 80s, I remember the Commodore and the Radio Shack had a computer. I mean, you had the floppy disk and all of that that came through. Um, it, it was, I guess, a craze. It was something in the news. Bill Gates, crazy, you know, in the news. And I just kind of followed suit to that. Uh, and I'll say my job at the time, uh, working for the civil service, uh, the Army, uh, I, I came in as a computer operator. So again, I kind of fell into that. And I'll just say, I never was a, a A student. And, you know, to me, school was difficult, obviously. And I took uh, my uh, one of my first classes was uh, uh, programming, but it was uh, mind mapping, diagramming. And I made an A on that class. And I'm like, whoa, you know. And, I, and that's the way I think, honestly. I think in squares and bubbles and things of that. And if you come in my office and I got post-it notes all over, that's the way I think in those type of, you know, let, let me draw a picture. And I'm a picture type of girl. So I, I draw pictures and things. So I excelled in that. And, and that just kind of gave me the confidence to keep running in that area. Because honestly, I wanted to, at the time when I uh, came out of high school, I wanted to be a newscaster. I, uh, at the time, Barbara Walters, Barbara mm -hmm. Wawa, remember, standing mm -hmm. that I used to joke about her. This is pre-Oprah. Uh, I really didn't want to go into news uh, broadcasting, and they put that camera in front of me, and I'm like, oh, no, I can't do it. So, um, again, working at, at Willie uh, during the lunch hour, they had a Toastmasters uh, mm -hmm. opportunity. You know, you could take your lunch time. Again, invest in yourself. Don't eat lunch. Come to the uh, series that we have here to train you how to be a Toastmaster, and that is uh, that was like a you know a thorn in my side. I said I have to get past this. When people say that they can't do something or they're shy about something, I always say, Are you bragging or are you complaining? Do you want to fix it or are you really enjoying being stuck in that I can't do something? And I know it had bothered me by this time. That was 20 years in. I'm like I'm tired of not being able to you know give a speech, to get in front of somebody, to give a congratulations or to speak at a funeral or whatever. Like, stop complaining about that. Let's be, you know, a success. And uh, truly, anyone, you know, they, they say communication skills. Again, you think of um, singers, actors, newscasters are the highest paid. If you can command attention in communication, to change. Yeah, yeah. So I applaud <coughs> you for what you're doing. Thank you. Amen. And I, uh, I took Toastmasters when I first started speaking, and it was. It was 
was an experience. I had to learn how to teach and not just talk because I I'm, I can talk anytime, yeah. all the time. But when it's you're speaking and you're getting on stage, you have to teach. So I remember I went for whatever competition it was. I won the first one and then I had to go to like another one with like Toastmaster, mm -hmm. other ones around. And <clears throat> they were like, write out your speech. Mm -hmm. I don't write out nothing. <laughs> like, I write out stuff for the podcast and I might not use it just because I don't, it, it throws me off. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the whole speech out, tried to memorize it, went up there and it was the worst speech I've ever done. Oh, and I was so mad because I'm like, I should have just been myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I was there to take tips from them but not to actually have them be who I was. And I was just mad because I'm like, my speech was better right. than that other person's. Right. So I remember Toastmasters because mm -hmm. Even though people like to talk a lot, it is kind of frightening to get on stage. Like, I have anxiety every time I go speak, every time before a podcast, even though this is what I like to do. Yeah, it's the number one fear. They say about flying, dying, uh, public speaking is the number one. It's kind of hard to fathom that, but it really, you know, that's what statistics say. And so many people, even in our networking groups, you know, they say they like the small atmosphere so that they can come out and express themselves. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So... Um, you did all those things. You've been around the block, working, doing all different things. You got your family on board. I love that because a lot of times people don't get the family on board and just go do something and then the family could tear you down or you could tear the family down. So how did that <coughs> work at home? We got the business, you successful there. What what was home life like? How did you balance out work and working with the family but still actually being a family? Well, first, Miss Nolan is balance. I, there's, to me, there's uh, balance is hard. People, you know, really rack their brains about being balanced. Just like there's seasons in life. You got spring, winter, summer, fall. There's no such thing as balance. It, it truly isn't. I mean, uh, like I said, I told you, I delegate. Delegate. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody had a task or whatever. Uh, and and it's, no, it's just no such thing as balance. It, and, and as a woman, as a mom, as a female, that took a little process to, because you feel guilty. You mm -hmm. feel like, hey, this is your traditional role, and shame on you for you know stepping out or or doing I guess what would be a traditional man's role. Um, but we took it from you know you have to have an amen, respect in the family. Everybody's mm -hmm. on board with it. This is for the benefit of us all. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those, you know, situations, and yeah, I, I credit my husband at the time for, for being, you know, champion to, to hold it down and, and taking on those additional roles. You know, all my girls, they were in uh, piano lessons, you know, just, uh, you know, going back and forth with that and making sure that they were where they needed to be, but in the end, it benefited us all, it, and again, to leave, and, and I'll just back that up to give an additional story on that. When I was at my job, I turned it into my part-time job, okay? So mind you, I was working 40 hours a week, but I did 50 or 60 hours for myself, okay? Mm -hmm. 24 hours in a day. So we were clocking, okay? Weekends or whatever, because I wanted it that bad. And one of the things I, I think that I see in, in the majority of clients is that they get too comfortable. We've got a big house, two cars in the garage, good job. And you're too comfortable. You, you're not hungry. One of my mentors, Les Brown, said, you got to be hungry. you got to be hungry. And when you're comfortable, you know, you are taken off guard 
when you're given that pink slip. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to. <laughs> you don't know how to react. And that's what really takes people into depression or whatever. So, you know, I always tell people, even if you're 9 to 5, start a part-time something. Create your own opportunity. I don't care if you are shining shoes, doing nails, podcasting, or whatever. I, you know, I hope in your case, even, you know, you, you got an extra room. You're writing that room off. You've got a magnet on your car. You're doing something to take advantage of the advantages, meaning the IRS rules and regulations that let you write it off. And that's the miseducation, again, that a lot of individuals don't get. We go to these classes, we talk, and it's like you come out confused because you don't have a coach or mentor to help you. Now let's take that information and walk it out. You know, truly, we got to walk it out. Yeah. Because it's a lot. You're being dumped on. This is all new information for you. And you're still busy with your day job or whatever. It's like, well, what did all that mean? Unless you're really motivated. And that's why I say for me, coming out of a six-figure job, I was highly motivated. Failure was not an option for me at the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And most, I'll say, I'll say most people, they are used to, again, at the 9 to 5, they're used to having a supervisor or someone hovering over them. If not, they wouldn't do anything. So when you come out and you're on your own, who cares if you sleep at 10 o'clock or get up at 5 in the morning? Yep. Unless you're motivated. Yep. Yeah. And that's where the, the issues happen. It's like, oh, this didn't work. No, it's not that it didn't work. You didn't work it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Like you said, <clears throat> take it into sports. That's how people that are championship teams win year after year because they're still hungry even after they won. Like, um, when I go to my job, I, I, I hope, well, I take advantage of the hours that I need to take advantage of. I'm going to just say that. But, yeah, I don't just go and just work the job that I work, I gotta use the mm -hmm. the advantage of what I got to, if I gotta use the Wi-Fi, if I gotta stay late to um, do something for work, I got to, or like <clears throat> going to like the library over break. You know, people are like, oh, we got we got uh, Thanksgiving break. Ain't no break. I'm not where I wanna be. There's no break until I get to a certain spot. So I I love that that you said that about working. You're working on you at your job. Because people don't realize that you're not going to be able to get out that job if you just go to that job. Because once you get off, life happens. Oh, yeah. And then you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to make that excuse. And I like what you said. It's, yeah. it's not, it's a you problem. <laughs> if you don't fix it, then who can you blame? You can't look at nobody else. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I keep hearing you say clients. Um, what, are you, what do you serve to clients and who are your clients? Uh -huh. So I am a business strategist and a business coach. My ideal clients are those that want to scale what they're doing to seven figures, and specifically in government contracting. So, so um, government contracting. I, I I was listening to um, you were you were talking on the on the master class, and so I just got a question. So when you get government assistance, do you have to do what they tell you to do with that money? <laughs> so government assistance or, 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 or like when you get grants and stuff from the okay. government so that's what I mean two, two lanes so grants are grants that mm -hmm. you don't have to pay back that's a different pool of the government money so the government everything comes back comes down trickles down from the federal okay? mm -hmm. so grants are one pot of money and they're normally set aside or allocated for those that are 501c3 mm -hmm. non-profits okay that's not what lane we're in. We're in the federal space 
where we uh, where the government so you've got your uh, 96 departments you've got the Department of Justice Department of Education Health and Human Services you know all of those and they have spent uh, Department of uh, Defense again the Army Air Force Navy Army military they buy everything everything okay and own nothing so again prisons you think about that they have to get toilet tissue from a vendor they have to get food from a vendor cakes pies whatever it is you know that's one way of looking at it so again they put out a request for proposal they call it RFP request for proposal and once they put that out then a vendor that is registered say hey that's in my lane I want to uh, submit a written response and put my name in the hat to see if I qualify for that. So you're bidding. So that's the way that works. The government puts out their request, say, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. Or Benjamin Harrison, I'm looking for somebody to do uh, grass cutting or snow removal. And that's how the vendors, you know, throw their names in the hat. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. So that's just two sets of uh, government money. Yeah. One's, you know, um, con contractual where um, they're paying you to do it, the other one is a grant where, you know, it's, it's free money. Okay, well, it's money you don't have to repay, but you have to supply the service. Understand. So, um, what made you get into that? Mm -hmm. Again, going back to my master class, I've been trained <laughs> from military and um, as a civil service capacity. I, I actually got a coach uh, to answer your question, and when I told my story, she like, so Roy, you know, you have so much background, and I have a heart of serving. If nothing else, out of all that I do. Um, at the end of the day, I am an encourager. And encourage, just like I met you. An encourager. I want to encourage people to live in your best space. Just like you told the story about uh, the Toastmaster in, in your, your speech. You're working in your gifting. It does, it's off the top. And that lets you know when people say, well, how do I know? That's how you know. Mm -hmm. That's how you know. So I love helping people. When you win, I win, and that's the way we should be. You know, we, you know, stand on my shoulders so you can see a little higher. I'm standing on others' shoulders. You know, I'm not here by myself at all. Yeah. So um, it's just service. It's just service. Being service. I, I love that, and I um, I learned that from ET um, mm -hmm. Eric Thomas, like to be a servant. Like I always kind of have been that person that to help however I can. Um, but then just understanding that's how you're supposed to live like no matter even if you're going through your go through you still got to help somebody else out because like you said somebody need, might need to uh, step on your shoulders while you stepping on somebody else's and the world we live in doesn't always look like that for whatever reason uh, it's always feels like people are in competition but people like you are that um, gap that helps other people that look like us and anybody else that to succeed so when you're saying in competition, let's talk about what you think that is. Why do you think people are in competition, or feel that way, or seem that way, or move that way? Um, I think it goes back before, like way back, where they, because <clears throat> we still do this light skin, dark skin, or oh, I'm from this area, or, oh, you didn't struggle, so you don't have room to be over here, or I think it's just how we look at other people and how the society made us look at our own people. Because we're all equal, it's just somebody's parents did a better job at making some money than my parents or whatever the case may be. So I think it's just you looking, you're looking at something that you're not and you're 
jealous of it instead of figuring out how you can get there. And you're right, all of those play a part. But again, getting in, one of the things of getting into my system or into the family of my coaching, one of the things I help individuals understand is uh, we hear about a lot about mindset and negative mindset. So we have to come in and help erase some of that. We, so we put the onion, the elephant on the table and peel the onion back and all that to understand where that comes from. I have to know where my client is in order. Do you believe that you can uh, obtain or that you can see seven figures in your bank? If you don't see it, then we got a problem from the jump. Mm -hmm. So we have to peel that back and understand where that block is. So again, when we talk about competition, I'll go back to uh, transportation again. Um, after the uh, Indigo uh, program, we won the uh, uh, VA hospital transportation. So we transported from Gary to Terre Haute to Bloomington, all over the state, working again for the VA, which is federal, uh, transporting veterans. I could not have made it if I didn't have competitive mates. In other words, other individual business owners in town that had vehicles. My, my vehicle broke, I got sat on the side, or, and my driver's on the side of the road. I got to get that client off of there. All my other drivers, they roll. So who am I going to call? So I intentionally called on competitors, but they're my competitive mates. I'm here for you, you're here for me. So it's a mindset that you have to learn how to play in the same sandbox respectfully. Respectfully. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's my daughter laughs at me a lot when I call her gangster. You got to be gangster with it. I mean, you do it. It's respect. Don't step on my ter territory. I'll give you the shirt off my back. But, you know, it's all under respect. Yeah. yeah. I, and, I, and I like how you uh, said that because that's how I feel like in the podcast world. Like, if I see somebody else's, I might ask them how their production is or something of that to to better myself or if somebody asks me a question I'm going to answer it because like you said you want everybody to win is you know your journey is your journey you could give somebody you could be the missing piece of information and that person boom that changed their life and you still where you at but that's not part of your journey that was part of their journey so I don't think people realize that sometimes it's like because I, when I first started uh, I actually my first video of me speaking uh, reposted today so that was seven years ago and I know um, thank you and I know the people that I went to uh, Eric Thomas uh, his, he had a community and they had a, a meet up here mm -hmm. it's a lot of people that I met and they're further on but I can't be like oh man I, I should be where they at that's not my journey I don't know what they got going on and when you realize that your journey is your journey you can have how you say it uh, competitive mates okay. yeah I like that I like no, that that's for you it's for you true yeah. and, and it's through that process, again, reading, um, through a process, I will say that, building up confidence at the end of the day, and that's, that's one thing I'll just kind of segue off into, uh, a lot of attention is given now to uh, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. If nothing else, that brother got confidence enough to share for everybody. Yeah. And, and that's something to look at. If some people say, oh, that's arrogance. It's confidence. It's confidence. You have to be confident in your game, and when you're confident, you can't take nothing away. I, I didn't give it to you. You can't yeah. take what I don't give you. Yep, yep. So it's confidence. If I, you know, it, it's just that mindset. So again, yeah, yeah. You have that's to be confident, and and that's when you, when you use the word jealousy and all of that. That comes from a lack of being confident or thinking that you cannot obtain. You can, yeah. So either you're looking at some what someone has as a way of saying, me too. I can get it. I can do it. 
Yeah. 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 So to switch that thinking around is key to success. Yeah, and confidence is, is key. Like when I get on the basketball court, it's funny because kids they be doubting. I'm like, bro, I do this. This is what I do, and I'm talking trash just like you talking trash. <laughs> you gonna see at the end of the day why I have that confidence because I really like you got to be confident in your game or it's like if you're in a relationship if I've ever I've not been in too many serious relationships but I know if I'm in a relationship it ain't gonna be no guy just coming and taking my girl you uh, you might have to be Michael B. Jordan or somebody like that you still might not be able to take her but that's the confidence that you got to have in yourself and nobody else has to understand that because God gave you that it ain't for everybody else it's for them to look at it and be like man how do I get that so, <clears throat> what are some other things? Uh, mindset is definitely one thing that you work on with clients. What's another area that mm -hmm. people are lacking that you help them in? I would say investing in yourself. I've said that a couple of times. So again, when you talked about, uh, I'll go back to the uh, competition and things of that nature, that may be territorial, even today. Um, and my daughter and I, we travel a lot. We invest in ourselves on purpose uh, to go to different conferences. Even now, end of the year, we take, you know, December time frame and, you know, mapping out the calendar already for 2024. Where are we going? Where are we speaking? Who's going to be here? That, you know, to be intentional on putting ourselves in the room of someone. So, again, as we travel Atlanta, off the chain, off the chain, they're helping one another. You don't mm -hmm. have that. Indianapolis, you, you don't have that feel there. It's support. Now, does that mean everybody? No, but majority, yeah, because they want to see you see right, rising tides, right? So it's that mentality that you have. I, I know you interviewed uh, Donald for show Martin, and, and he's you know, taken his show on the road to Atlanta. I applaud him for that. It's like sometimes you got to get out of your own back. Oh, get out of your way, first of all. Get yeah. out of your way. Yeah, you have to leave Mama Neal if yeah. that's what it takes. If, yeah. if you have that burning desire, I know uh, Napoleon Hill in, in uh, Think and Grow Rich, chapter yeah. <laughs> two, talks about the burning desire. Can't sleep at night. You, you wake up. This is, your business is my baby. Don't talk about my baby. I'm going to fight for my baby. You have to have that desire and find a way to make it happen for you. And if that means packing up, moving, or what have you, do what you got to do. You hear so many success stories uh, of, of movie stars going out to you know, California. You know, yeah, if you want to be that, it's not here in Indy. This is not it. You want sports? Then come on, you, you got a chance in Indy. But understand what's in your backyard and who's in your backyard and who you have access to on that underground through your network. All of that's key. You know, and, and if you don't understand things like that, then you're struggling. It's an uphill battle for you if you don't understand that. Yeah. yeah. I, I love what you said, um, investing in yourself on purpose. But it's funny that you said Atlanta out of all the places because me and Demond, we just uh, did my 100th episode and we were talking about moving. Mm -hmm. And you heard it first. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because in 2009, when I first. Before I moved here, I was supposed to move to Atlanta, and it just didn't happen that way. It was supposed to be me and my friend, and I moved here, had kids, got married, all that good stuff. And I was like, like you said, you see a lot a lot of the people we watch on social media is in Atlanta, and they all work together, they all connected. Nobody's like not in competition, they're all in competition to help each other get better. 
and I was like, I don't know, I'm gonna have to think on it because I got my son. That's the, that would be the main, the only reason like that I wouldn't because I wouldn't want to miss out on stuff. But if it's the leap that I need to take to get us to where we need to as a family, then I would. And uh, Tyler Perry in, the, um, in his movie, he moved. He had to uh, leave Mama know go to Atlanta, get in his car, and he ended up sleeping in his car for a little bit. But look where he's at now because he took that leap. Because you have to leave, especially like, I'm from Michigan City. My leap was just coming to Indianapolis because I knew Michigan City didn't have nothing for me. Now it's like I've been in Indianapolis. Mm, have I done everything I'm supposed to here? I, I don't know. So. It is that I am. As we hear that, you hear this a lot on airplanes, they always tell you to put your mask on first. And there's so much in that. Truly, I mean, as far as that goes, you have to save yourself first before you can save someone else. I say the same thing, Harriet Tubman, when she was, uh, when she ran away multiple times, she ran, she knew the path, and then she came back and got someone else. You have to know the path first. Before you can go back and start grabbing family and friends and all of that, because otherwise they slow you down. They can slow you down. So there is a, a lot to be said in freeing yourself first. Free your mind, and the rest will follow. It, it's just you know songs that we sing. Erica Baidu, Bag Lady. You go hurt your back. You know, uh, dragging all them bags like that. I guess nobody ever told you what you must hold on to. And as you, you know, I'll, I'll just say, you know. Go in prayer about you know your decision, but you, you have to um, make that pathway. I, I had to make that pathway. I, it wasn't like I was asking my husband or my family for permission. God gave me a vision. When God gives you, then it's on you to walk it out. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying anybody quit your job tomorrow. Do that. I didn't say that. Everything in time. Everything in time, but if it's a burning desire, you know what that feels like. Yeah. 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 And you just, you know, whatever your your uh, manifestations are there, and and uh, the sun grows up, you know, or whatever, or whatever that looks like. It's a process. You got to, you know, write it out. You, you know, write your vision and make it plain. Yeah, because the process is me being an education. I never thought that was part of the plan ever to be in school. I hated school and I've been in school seven years. So it's like sometimes what God's plan is isn't yours and then he gonna put stuff that you right. didn't think you were supposed to do. But on that Eric, I, I will challenge you to self reflect and say, Who am I really? <clears throat> Who am I really? Like I said, I I do travel, I do coaching, I do men mentoring, all that, but at the end of the day I am an encourager. At the end of the day. So, who am I? Communicate, or it's not that you're a teacher or that you're basketball. Who am I? So that's you know, that's something to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So, um, how does someone work with you? What does that look like? What does that um, avatar or that person looks like? Awesome. So I have uh, individual one-on-one -on -one packages if someone wants to work with me solo, <coughs> or I have group packages um, that individuals can. Uh, getting a group package. Again, we have masterminds that run all year long and um, just helping people to, first of all, identify what it is they think success is. I call it freedom. You know, I know what freedom is to me, but what is success to you? Will you know when you get there? So again, helping them stop and understand what are you looking for? 
you, you want to get into business, you want to get into business. Why? Well, you know, once we uh, define success, then we know what we're going for. If they're uh, coming to Roy, I want to get into your seven-figure program. Okay, well, let's understand what it is that you currently do. Do you have the capacity? Because I don't work with everybody. I really don't. Um, if you're not willing to roll up your sleeves and do the work, then uh, I'm not the person for you. I'm not the person for you. One of the, the bigger things in being a business owner is accountability. So again, if you are, say for sales, I, I want to make uh, uh, X number of dollars, okay, and I give you an assignment for a weekly basis, Every week we're making at least 25 calls. You've got a list that you, you know, checking in on you on a Friday. Say, hey, let me see the list, or you know, who did you call? Who answered? What was the follow-up? And, and that. Well, I didn't get around to it. Okay. Well, um, are we trying to run fast or run slow here? So again, don't blame me when you're not doing the work that needs to happen. That's just a, a blind example of some of the things you know. Life gets life gets in the way, but we got 24 hours. In a day, you yeah. do, and and I'll just say that's one of the the bigger things when you come out of a job. Your family thinks, oh, they're not doing anything. I'm calling somebody up. It's like absolutely not. You have to respect my time, and yeah, you, know, you have to say teach your family how to love you. You know, and that's you know, all of that is a mind. Oh, I don't want to hurt such and such feelings. Well, there you go. Get rid of that baggage. You know what I'm saying? It's baggage. Yeah. 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 I was listening to ET earlier, and he was like, "You got to cut ties with things and people, mm -hmm. and that baggage. You, you know, we all know what the baggage is. Yeah. We just don't want to unload it. It could be your friend you've been friends with for 30 years. It could be a family member, but you got to cut ties with it. And I, I love what you um, were saying. Uh, what is so? You work with your daughter sometimes in certain things you do." How is that as a mother-daughter relationship, but then also how is that as a business relationship? <laughs> I never, never thought that we'd be to get this uh, journey when she was uh, growing up, but I'll just say uh, she's told some stories about her being on the uh, vacation trips that we would go on, uh, visit underground, and, uh, steward speakers, and some of the underground railroad tours, and that helped change her life, you know, even as a uh, teenager she would go on the trips and through undergrad and, and just seeing and hearing the stories of uh, slavery and how we overcame and, and the struggles. And it helped her to shape what uh, she's doing as an IP attorney to, you know, help individuals like yourself protect your business so that individuals are not taking your ideals and your intel away from you. You put it out there and people say, oh, somebody stole it. No, they didn't steal it. You gave it to them the minute you put it out there. And we don't know that we're trusting, thinking, oh, they know I'm doing this. Nobody's taking it. Mm -hmm. yeah, look, like I say, not everybody is, is for you. So uh, it's, it's that kind of thing. But it is truly a joy to uh, to uh, share the stage and to share the room with my daughter. She's an excellent attorney and, and very smart young lady. So it's just an honor as a mom, first of all, to uh, have the opportunity to share time with her. So, who's usually right? You or her? Well, Eric, you're trying to start something now, so we're going to go to the next question. Right? <laughs> no, I was just trying to see, because I don't think I could work with, I don't think I could work with my mom. Like, uh, being older now, 
And I always voice my opinion because sometimes I, I would think he's like, be like, oh, it's mine. I can't, I don't know. I don't want her to have no flashbacks and knock me out or anything. But I, I don't think I could. I, that's why I was asking. Well, just to hey, see. wisdom trumps, okay? And to, don't, don't, she won't see this delay. So wisdom trumps. I got an advantage. Player advantage, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what they say. Uh, more see, you got more seasoning. Uh, so what? Um, Okay, I, I have a segment called You Won't Believe This. You might not have a story, but I have a story. Um, it's just something crazy you see, something happen to you or whatever. So um, I just moved. I don't have Wi-Fi yet, and I go, I've go. i been going to the library. We've been on Thanksgiving break. So I live on the south side of town. Never been to the library. I go in. It's small, but it's the homeless drug people hangout. So I'm sitting there and I'm on my computer editing, doing, you know, minding my business. This couple comes in, I've seen them walking in, and they start arguing. Mm -hmm. And the girl like, yeah, why was you out there talking to that woman? Duh, 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 duh. And this is in the library. You're supposed to be quiet. Mm -hmm. No quiet at all. They are they're going back and forth. And so she leaves, he come back. So I guess he like sitting down. She come look over his shoulder and like, oh, I see you, uh, see you texting people. They doing this whole argument, a full argument in the library. Nobody, no, the library people ain't saying nothing. And as the because I stayed till body was closed, they walked out together. <laughs> I'm like, y'all did all that to walk out together. That's their understanding. <laughs> but I'm like, so at the library though, I I've been like the library is one of my are two things that you like to do that most people wouldn't know you like to do? Let's see, two things. Everybody knows I like to travel, so that's unknown. Um, <laughs> I like to roller skate. <laughs> yeah, I'm very active. Uh, I like outdoor activities. Um, I'll just say, you know, I. I have a yard person, but sometimes I just like, it makes me feel grounded. Yeah, yeah, that's my nothingness. I am accomplishing a task, but I like working in the yard. It, it, um, gyms have their place. Matter of fact, I, I, um, I have to do a shout out to my fitness trainer, Miss Alicia Tevis, Fusion Fit Warrior. Um, but gyms have their place, but I just, you know, old school, again, Grandmas, you know, grandpas ain't working out on the farm, working in the field, and they're fit as they could be, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't have gyms yet back then. So it's like if we would just come out the house and start working in the yard just a little bit, doing something to be fit. I mean, just walking the neighborhood or what have you. So I do like that. Just being outside helps me uh, be grounded. I'll put my headsets on and just creative ideas come to me that way. So again, that that is true. I I don't work out. I don't go to nobody gym. I'm not lifting weights. Well, you but you play basketball. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I like the out outside or the activity. That's what I as a kid. That's what I did. I was outside. Now the gardening. I don't know. I ain't really there yet. My mom, the most I would do is she would make me water her plants. So I know how to water plants. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I'm not a big garden person yet. I think as I get older, I definitely gonna have somebody do the yard because I ain't cutting the grass. Yeah. But just getting outside or uh, just sitting in the yard, like my old place, I would sit on the porch and mm -hmm. just get ideas or look and see what's going on in the world. Because mm -hmm. for me, I always find myself finding the 
the most random stuff happening just sitting on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I used to live in Hallville, so okay. just imagine all the stuff I used to see. Um, so, what, before we get into um, some tips and stuff of that sort, what is something either in life or your job that you that happens that people would know from your profession? I think one thing I'll, I'll talk about um, failure. Mm -hmm. you know? um, I ask people to redefine failure. Okay? Mm -hmm. and, and not be held guilt, not be, not, uh, be held uh, like that's a, a guilt feeling for you because it keeps you stuck. Um, so, example, um, Indianapolis used to have um, women's empowerment events um, in uh, March, maybe down at Murat or something like that, or at Expos, and I, at the time, I had my travel business, and um, I would go down there with a vending table or what have you, with packages and things of that nature, and uh, I'd come out and not make a sense. Not make a sale on, on uh, travel packages. I, I felt at the time that that was failure because of my expectation going in. But it showed me that that was the, not the right marketing for me. Mm. Yeah, that was not the right marketing. So you have to, you know, again come out and realize or reevaluate what what you know happened. Truly, what happened, and not sorry. That wasn't failure. That was lesson learned. It goes back to you know. Uh, the electric light, you know, how many times, a thousand times, uh, the electrical uh, light was uh, perfected before it was ready to go. Again, Formula 409, that was 408 times that didn't work before they came out in Formula 409, that's how it got its name. So again, those aren't failures, they're processes that didn't work. They didn't work for whatever reason. So, um, it takes, you know, again, that mindset to help you understand and to define what truly is failing and what's not failing. So. I like, like that that you said, processes that just ain't happening mm -hmm. yet, like, because I look at failure as lessons of, like, I, if I went to an event and something didn't happen, it'd be like, what didn't I do? Mm -hmm. How wasn't I prepared? Let me go around and look at the other tables and see what they got going and why they're making money, ask questions. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we don't self-assess and see what we could do to fix the, the problem. Right. We always looking for someone else to fix the solution. Mm -hmm. And we're the solution. You just mm -hmm. gotta actually go back to the drawing board and figure out what it is, what adjustments you need to make. And everything that Dorothy wanted, the scarecrow, the tin man, the lion courage, and all of that, they were all looking for something. And it was Toto that pulled the curtain back and showed them the wizard was just the guy back there on, you know, and he gave them permission. Sometimes we need permission to run this race. Mm. Yeah. And that's what, you know, he gave them. You've you got it all the time. You, you got hard, you got courage, you know, you know your way, Dorothy. You got it. You just need who's in your front row to give you a high five and be there to cheer you out. You need permission sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Because you already, you just need maybe that reassurance mm -hmm. um, 
to know that because life will beat you down and you still doing right and you feel like man I'm not doing enough but you're doing more than somebody else so you just need that pat on the back or somebody to say proud of you keep going or whatever that case may be because that goes a long way uh, with somebody that's entrepreneur on their way to it because life be kicking my tail <laughs> and somebody they sent me a, um, a voice message um, one of my guests India and that meant the world just to hear that little message I'm like how do I save this so when I'm down I can go back and listen to this because that that definitely gets you over the hump some days because yeah you might have to climb a mountain one day and one day it might be a speed bump so you just need that that encouragement so um, give me three tips on people that they have a business or they started one but they're on the fence about actually going they, they that nine to five is it's got that that tug on them and they don't so not business people people that have a nine to five that want to step outside of that but that nine to five got that grip like no you're not going nowhere you staying here so first of all i'd ask how bad do you want okay that comes back to that desire how bad do you want it? That determines the sacrifices, the sacrifices that you're willing to make for, right? Okay. So once we, you know, I know well, I'll ask somebody on a scale of one to ten. Where are you? I'm a ten. Okay. All right. Let's go. If you're a ten, we can run this race. I can give you some tools to help you. Um, then we'll decide out of a 24-hour day, how many days are you committed to work for? Okay, and here comes the fun part, because it's like, you know, we come up with every, I won't say excuse, but it feels that way, you know, I got to work, I got to, you know, single moms or what have single dads, got to prepare for the kids, we got to do school. Can you stay up late? Can you sleep six hours a night? It will help you find some hours. Can you... Again, um, have books in the car. I'm, I'm just saying it's a lot of wait time in the car. I'm going to be waiting on the kids or whatever, but I'm reading books. So there's a lot of empty space. Get off the phone. And if you're watching TV, oh my God, that's ultimate no-no. That's an ultimate no-no. Um, yeah, we can go there for a minute. But again, TV is bad news. You hear that news travels fast. Uh, that is, again, being in trouble. So, where you hear about this shift that uh, I didn't have to be on CNN to hear that. It's somebody going to call. News travels fast, truly. Mm -hmm. So, realize what the TV is doing is helping that negativity in your mind. Again, I'm all about positive. We're trying to do a